Christmas is truly a special season. I love everything about it, from the twinkling lights to the sparkling wrapped gifts to delicious food to time off from work and kids are out of school and time with family. I love the Christmas sweaters and the festive music and the Christmas parties, the feel-good movies, like all of it, time with loved ones. I, I love everything that comes with this beautiful, this truly wonderful time of year. As I've spent some time, though, pondering how we, we tend to celebrate Christmas with all that that brings, I think I've come to an observation when I was really pondering that this week. That the way that we celebrate Christmas, I believe, is revealing something that is deep inside of the human soul. We crave awe. We yearn to be in awe of something. We all yearn to experience something wonderful. We are all attracted to awesome things. Every one of us desires, there's this, it's so deep in the human soul, we desire to experience something special, to experience something transcendent, something divine, something far bigger than ourselves. And every one of us, by our design, desires more than just the mundane. And life can sometimes feel mundane. And so then we, we approach December and the Christmas season, and all of a sudden, we feel like we can just leave the mundane behind us, and everything is somehow more special or somehow better. And the world promises us that this time of year brings excitement, especially if you're a child, but it brings warm feelings, all of these promises that our world tells us. And all of this, I think, is just, it's good for us to understand that there is something deep inside the human heart that desires to be in all. And I think Christmas is a good reminder of this for us with the way just our comings and our goings, that every one of us really is looking. And we can look forward to Christmas all year, but there is something much deeper. All of us is looking for something. I don't know, maybe for you, you're looking for something that will like thrill your soul that's otherwise bored. Or maybe, I don't know, you're, you're looking for a sense of healing or, or freedom from something. Maybe you're thinking, no, I'm, I'm looking for someone to love me or to accept me. Or maybe as a parent, you're thinking, Pastor, it's so much simpler than that. I'm just looking for kids that will just obey me. Amen? I mean, I don't know what you're looking for. It could be something that's really grandiose or really quite simple, but deep inside of us, all of us is looking for something. And I think it's important for us to reflect, especially this time of year, on, 
Are we actually living our life or are we simply in survival mode? And it can be really easy, even in Christmas time especially, to get into just survival mode. But we were made for more. We were made for so much more. And celebrating Christmas in and of itself will not satisfy your soul's deepest yearning. It can't. I don't care how much eggnog you drink or how many cookies you decorate or feast on. I don't care how many great gifts you get or give away. At the end of it, come December 26th, if your soul is not well, if your soul is not happy, if your soul is not satisfied in the person that Christmas points to, then Christmas will be somewhat empty for you. Because Christmas, what makes it so unique, is that it points us to the one who alone can truly satisfy our heart's desire for awe. Because every one of us has been made for it. So your soul needs more than what this world can offer. So let me give you the primary truth from this morning. Is that through Christmas, God seeks to overwhelm your soul with awe. This is what I feel God has led us to focus on this week, especially this morning is how through Christmas, God has a goal. He is seeking to overwhelm your soul with awe. Let's read a text that is quite familiar to you, especially at Christmas time. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and she called his name Jesus. Now, I already know what some of you were thinking. You're thinking, oh, I already know this one. I've been at church before. I've already seen this movie. I already know how it ends. Like, this is a rerun. Like, I, I already know the Christmas story. I've, I've heard many, many sermons or Bible studies on Matthew 1. And so I'm here trying to tell you that through this text, God 
plans to just stun you and overwhelm you with awe and so that you would fall down in worship. And you're thinking, oh, come on, Pastor Matthew, you're kind of overselling it a little bit there. This is just a Christmas story. We've all heard it before. Let me tell you, I am not overselling. If anything, it's underselling. This text is absolutely awe-inspiring. And God desires to grip your soul with this text and just leave you so in awe that it leads you to worship. It leads you to greater obedience. It leads husbands to treasure their wives. It leads wives to respect their husbands. Being in awe of Jesus leads children to actually obey their parents. It leads to greater financial responsibility. It leads to healthier internet surfing. It leads to everything that is good and holy and points to God. When we are in awe of God, our hearts are gripped and transformed, and then we reflect the glory of him who made us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Let me give you three truths. Keep this simple. Number one, through Christmas... God seeks to leave you in awe, number one, of who Jesus is. God wants you to be in awe of who Jesus is. I believe the Spirit of God has a work to do today. And that he wants to make Jesus so much more real to you, he is real. Whether you believe in him or not does not change how real he is. So the veracity of Jesus is not altered by your belief. This is not Santa Claus who, who can power his sleigh by you believing in him. Okay, this is, this is not fiction. What we're talking about here is the truth of who Jesus is is not altered by your belief. And yet, when you believe what he says and who Jesus is, then those realities of who Jesus is are manifested in your life. And so God wants you to be in awe of who Jesus is. Now, I remember from last week when I was supposed to preach, but I didn't have a voice. Even today, I'm not quite fully healed, so I appreciate your patience with my voice. When our associate Colton stepped in, last minute and preached, I'm so thankful for him. He, he covered the text that I was going to preach on which is just a long list of names. Remember that from last week? Name after name of so-and-so gave birth to, who gave birth to, who gave birth to, who gave birth to, for 17 verses is name after name after name of births. And then you get to verse 18. And how does verse 18 begin? Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Now, the word Christ means Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, the one sent from God. Jesus, the Messiah, it says the birth of Jesus took place in this way. So after this long list of natural births for 17 verses, you get to verse 18, and it says here is a stunning 
birth that is unlike any birth that ever took place before in human history or will ever happen after. This one singular birth stands alone at the center of human history and shows the very purpose of God. It is unique because Jesus is unique. And the theme here in this text is, it's one of them that we'll look at here, is the virgin conception. This is fundamental for those of us that love and trust Jesus. And you see it repeated over and over in this text. The text is crying out, not by Joseph, by the Holy Spirit. Over and over and over. Joseph is not the father. The Holy Spirit of God conceived this child. You see it in verse 18. It says, before they came together, that's referring to being together, husband and wife. Before they came together sexually, it says she was with child. So she was pregnant, but before she had ever been with a man. So it says before she was with Joseph, she was pregnant from, it says, the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, the angel says, for that which is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. Verses 22 and 23, there's a prophecy that's fulfilled. The virgin shall conceive. Verse 25, Mary did not have sex until after she had given birth. And so this verse is, this theme is rather repetitious in these verses. Whenever God repeats himself, it's because he doesn't want us to miss it. He says, oh, you missed it. Here, I'll tell you again. Oh, you missed it again. Here, I'll tell you again. And for those of us that are slow, here, I'll tell you again. Like he's repeating it over and over and over in this text because it's making a point that Joseph is not the father. Now, it does describe Joseph as the husband. You have to understand Jewish customs of 2,000 years ago. To be betrothed, to be engaged was a legal thing. And so it was a legally binding thing. And so Joseph was called husband here, even though he had not officially married her yet, because even betrothal was already a legal commitment. And to get out of a betrothal would require you to have a legal process. It was a formal process. So which is why you see describing as husband, and then he chose to divorce her without shaming her publicly. And so they were not married. They had not consummated yet, but they were engaged to be married. Now, Joseph naturally assumed that Mary was lying to him. I mean, think about it. If your girlfriend, your fiance says, yeah, I'm pregnant, um, that's not the kind of news you want to hear. When you're the girl that you love and you're planning to marry, that you are excited about building your life with her, and she says, hey, hey, Joe, um, I'm pregnant. All of a sudden, he assumes what is natural, that she's been cheating on him. And some other dude is the father. But he's a good man. And so he chose to leave her quietly without openly shaming her her. And yet, he's described as a good man. 
He didn't want to shame Mary. And then the angel comes through a dream and reveals, no, she is not lying to you. This baby is from the Holy Spirit. And so he obeys God and he trusts God and he endures the shame that he would get from society by marrying a girl that everyone else thought had been cheating on him. But he was a good man and so he didn't care. He obeyed and trusted God. And yet, despite the fact that Joseph is a good man, the text is very clear. He's not the father. The eternal son of God becoming a human being born of a woman. And this text is showing the whole point of Christmas. And the meaning of Christmas is far more than, than warm feelings. It includes that, but man, it's so much more than that. Christmas is about God coming near. Christmas is about God himself coming to earth. The eternal son of God, the second member of the Trinity, becoming a human being. And so the word for this in theology is called the incarnation. You're like, what is incarnation? Well, if you speak Spanish, you know that carne means what? Meat. So if you want to go eat some carne asada, like some grilled steak that would carne, like carnivore, you know, you like to eat meat. So the Latin word for carne is flesh or meat. And so incarnation just refers to God the Son taking on human flesh, becoming a human. And so he has been incarnated. He has become a human, just like you and me, and yet, unlike you and me, that he is without sin. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, but born of a woman. And so God as a human is a absolutely kind of mind blowing or mind-boggling truth. But if you think about it, the Bible is filled with miracles. And so we shouldn't be surprised that God coming to save his people from their sin would be done in a miraculous way. Just think of how many miracles are in the Old Testament. You have the 10 plagues that God uses to miraculously save his people from slavery. And then when they are in the wilderness, it rains manna, it rains bread from heaven. And then they needed water. And so God brings water out of a rock so that they won't die of thirst. I mean, th- these are the kinds of things that you see in the Old Testament, and you see the sick being healed, the dead being resurrected. I mean, you see Joshua with the sun stopping so that he has the time to defeat the enemy. I mean, so many miracles that you see in the Old Testament. Every single one of those miracles points to Jesus. Every single one. Jesus is the Passover lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus died 
so that we could be freed from our slavery. Jesus is the bread of life that came down from heaven. Jesus is the living water. Jesus is the better and final Joshua who has come and has defeated the enemy. Jesus heals the sick. He is our healer. He is the resurrection and the life. Every single miracle, all of them point to fulfilled by Jesus. It's all about the glory of Jesus. So every single miracle either points to Jesus, is accomplished by Jesus, or results from the Son. So all of these miracles, and there is one central miracle, the incarnation. God the Son becoming a human, from which all of the miracles flow from. This is, this is who we are. We are the people who believe and who worship Jesus because he is worthy of it, because he is fully God and yet fully human. He is the God-man, son of God and also son of Mary. He shares God's nature and he shares Mary's nature, human nature. He shares both. One person, two natures. This truth is something that no other religion teaches. Okay, this is not like Islam that teaches that Muhammad, who was a regular prophet, who received a word from Allah and has now devised a whole religious system. Well, Muhammad died, did not resurrect. Now, Muhammad is not God. This is not like Siddhartha Gautama or the Buddha, the enlightened one who received enlightenment and has designed this ninefold noble path that you can follow and yourself be enlightened. That Siddhartha died. He's not God. Buddhism, it doesn't even have a God. It's an atheistic philosophy. There is no other system or belief or religion under the sun that claims that God became a human being and is fully God and fully human and that God did not send the prophet, but God himself came, that he has come near. This, something that we can get so familiar with, ought to blow our minds away. Jesus is unique. He stands alone. He is God in the flesh. And these truths are meant to just leave us in awe and bow down in worship. But Christmas, not only does it leave us in awe because of who Jesus is, but also why Jesus came. So number two, God wants you to be in awe of why Jesus came. You see, Matthew 1, the purpose for Jesus' coming is announced by an angel. Now, by the way, when you're ever studying the Bible and you see an angel appears in the text, you should pay attention. Like, they're pretty important. We don't worship angels. 
They're created beings like we are, but they're not like us. They don't have God's image. They're spirit beings. But the word angel means messenger. So angelos just means messenger. And so that's what they are. They deliver the message from God. And so when an angel speaks in the Bible, it is an authoritative and a definitive word from the Lord. Angels don't get it wrong. They don't mess up and like do typos or miscommunicate or send the wrong emoji and upset someone by accident. Like angels, angels don't do that. They, they clearly and definitively reveal God's word. So in verse 20, an angel appears to Joseph and tells him that the baby is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 21, he says, you shall not. Joseph, would you like to? Is it okay with you if you call him Jesus, if you don't mind? No, he says, you shall, you will call him Jesus. Now, the name Jesus, that word is the Greek transliteration of the Hebrew Yeshua or Joshua. And so Joshua and Jesus are essentially the same name. They have the same meaning. And Joshua means the Lord saves. And so Jesus is called the Lord saves. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then you see in the next two verses that he is a fulfillment of 700-year-old prophecy through Isaiah. It says, the virgin shall bear, conceive and bear a son. This is the power of God. Jesus is not like some heavenly man, or if you read Greek mythology where there is this thing called a demigod, where you have a god, and these gods, by the way, were not always the best people. They were pretty selfish, okay? So you would have a god that would take a woman, a human, as his wife or as his hookup, whatever, and then the child that was born is part human because his mother is is, is this woman, and And there's this God up from heaven that had sex with this woman. And so now you have this demigod who is human but has, like, superpowers. Like, this is is out there. And, like, Percy Jackson has made this popular for a whole new generation now for, like, middle schoolers with Greek mythology. Jesus is not a demigod. He's not. He's not just some heavenly man or this part human, part deity who has some cool superpowers. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus is God, 100%, one and only God. There are no other gods. There's one. And he's a trinity. And God the Father sent God the Son, and God the Son became a human, which is why it says, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So don't miss the flow of thought in this text. It begins by saying, this baby is conceived by God himself. Therefore, this baby is Emmanuel, God with us. Therefore, we can worship him 
because he can and he will save us from our sin. There's a progression of thought. Jesus was not born to liberate Israel from slavery to Rome. That's not why Jesus was born. Because if we're really honest, as powerful as the Roman Empire was, it crumbled on its own. Just like the Greeks before the Romans, just like the Persians before the Greeks, just like the Babylonians before them, and just like the Assyrians before them. And the line keeps going back of world powers that crumbled. This is our human history. You don't need someone supernatural, God in the flesh, to deliver Israel from captivity to Rome. Rome is going to fall on its own because that's what happens to world powers. However, to change a human heart, to no longer hate God, to change a heart that loves Jesus, that hates his or her sin, to change a rebel into a worshiper, to make someone new and to resurrect someone from the dead. That is a miracle that is only possible by someone who is miraculous, someone who is eternal, someone who is God. Jesus came to do what no one could do to save his people from their sin. That baby in the manger is the same person who spoke the universe into existence. That baby in the manger was the same person who spoke to Moses in the burning bush. The baby in the manger is the same person who stood in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they did not burn up. The baby in the manger is the same person who was promised to come to crush the head of the serpent. Christmas points to our need for rescue. So why do we celebrate Christmas? Because God came near. Because God came for us. Christmas should remind us of how desperate we are for salvation. How left to ourselves, we will just mess everything up We'll destroy our relationships. We'd be foolish. We'd be enslaved. Christmas points to our need for a rescuer. That we need Jesus. And Christmas is amazing because God is amazing. God the Father sent God the Son. Talk about mercy. That Christmas reminds us that we who would hate him and would rebel against him, that God would still love us and Jesus would come to save us. Display of glory. And so Christmas is designed to live in awe of who Jesus is and why Jesus came.
But last thought as we kind of get our minds around this, how this should impact our lives today. Through Christmas, God wants to leave you in awe that a lasting joy really is possible. He wants to just blow you away and just leave you stunned in awe. That lasting joy really is possible. Now, some of you here are wondering, is all this stuff real? Like, I've heard this, and I'm just not sure if this is real. Is lasting joy really possible? And even though I know we're a church that's several months old, and we're just getting started, and we're, we're not a large church, and yet even a church our size, I know some of you are really struggling. And some of you specifically struggling in your marriage. And I'm pretty sure you're suffering silently. Or you've tried. Or maybe you think, I am trying. But I can't change him. Or God knows I can't change her. And maybe you think to yourself, oh, I know I can't change him. I've tried. I've tried for a long time, and it's hit me. Like, I've come to the realization I can't change this person or my circumstances, and, and my marriage is just so hard. Maybe today you are just thinking to yourself, Christmas is supposed to be fun and enjoyable and, and warm and special, and I'm just trying to just survive and just get Maybe you have a growing anger or bitterness, resentment that you wish you could change, but man, you feel it just growing out of control inside of you. Maybe for you it's not anger, resentment. Maybe it's depression or anxiety. I don't know. Maybe you today are in the middle of a season of waiting. You've been waiting for something. You're waiting for God's direction or just waiting for something and it is disappointing and it is difficult and you're just you're just wishing that this season of waiting would just just end that you would just have a sense of clarity or God would just provide maybe you have a pattern that's an attitude or behavior that you know that this pattern is sinful and it is it is slowly eating away at your soul. I don't know where you're at today. God knows. But the message of Christmas is a message of hope. And I can say that with authority from God's word, that Christmas is all about hope and that you can take courage today because that baby in the manger was the way the truth, and the life. That baby in the manger was the image of the invisible God. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. The baby in the manger was light that has come into the world so that whoever believes in him may not remain in darkness. This baby in the manger was 
Christ Jesus, the one who died, but more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us, and who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Christmas reminds us that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is what Christmas is about. And oftentimes we find ourselves just kind of like reacting to life as it comes at us so fast. Instead of intentionally living and walking in the truth of who Jesus is, why he came, and how lasting joy is truly possible. Christmas proves that God is faithful. He promised for centuries, for millennia, that he would send the Savior of the world. He promised. And on that first Christmas, he made good on that promise. He is faithful. Don't forget his faithfulness. God is never We have to remember that he has begun a good work in us. And he's not going to give up. He'll never give up on you. That's why he came near. The incarnation is a miracle. Everything about Christianity, everything about following Jesus is miraculous and supernatural. And so he does do miracles. And so we can trust him to do the miraculous in our lives Christmas reminds us that God keeps his promises and he's promised to you that you will one day in his time rise up in victory. So you can keep looking to Jesus because Christmas proves that he is Emmanuel, that he came to save us from our sins so Jesus can and will deliver you. Remember the whole point of Christmas. Let me read to you again what verse that we just read earlier today. Matthew 1, verse 21. She shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. And God wants to just overwhelm us with who he is and why he came and that true joy really is possible. So what do you do today as we look to Christmas and as we want to experience more of his renewal? How do we respond to this? What what do we do with this message? Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and look to Jesus. 
Don't hold your head down in shame. Jesus died to take away your shame and your guilt. And so you lift up your head as the son or daughter adopted by the king that you are. You lift up your eyes and you keep looking to Jesus. In the uncertainty, you keep looking up to Jesus. In the pain, you keep looking up to Jesus. In the disappointment, you keep looking up to Jesus. In your crummy circumstances, you keep looking up to Jesus, believing that there is purpose in your pain. And Christmas proves it. God came near. And then it points to the resurrection of Easter where he conquered it all. He conquered sin and death and the enemy. And so we have hope. And we lift up our eyes and we keep looking to Jesus. Jesus is more than just a man. He is God in the flesh. He's our savior. He's our hope. He's our purpose. He's our joy. He is our everything. And I pray that this Christmas, that you will experience his presence in a whole new, fresh, profound way. That's why he came. May we walk with him and know him and enjoy him. And that this Christmas, that we can live as a display of his glory as we fall in awe of who he is.